0: Have you ever noticed? Like, so, so we're going through this uh, original Christmas cast, uh, and, and, and so we're on Mary, right? It's the obvious next step, uh, and so the mother of Jesus. And we're going to talk about believing in the impossible, believing that God can call you into the impossible, and it can really happen. Uh, but as as I was getting ready for this message this week, I noticed a trend at my house. Um. So as a dad of, of, you know, I got two boys, and we got Abby. But, but the two boys, you know, as, as their dad, I felt a certain responsibility as they were growing up, you know? Like, I show them how to throw a baseball. Show them how to kick a football, right? Uh, we, when they got old enough, and I was so happy that day, to show them how to mow the grass. <laughs> show them how to wash their car, Right? i i I, sh- I talked to them about life and what it's about like being a man, and, and we spent these times together and, and, and I really tried to pour into them and do the right thing, and, and you know and, and uh, whenever they were little they'd run, I'd take a pillow and knock them down, get up, you know and, we, and so so we had we had these special moments together that I cherish, and I mean I think that these things I, I found very important and I've loved. Uh, uh, Doing them, you know, just being a part of that. And I think it's the basis of our relationship. But when they need something, they don't call me. Right? There's a special relationship in a boy and his mom. Boy and her mother, mother figure. And they have, a, they have this special Closeness. So, so when they need something or they're feeling lonely or, or when they've accomplished something awesome, you'd think they'd call me, you know, the one that showed them all these things. And <laughs> Nope. Even yesterday, right? So, so Devin's girlfriend, he got her, got her some, some Christmas presents and, and this, their semester's coming to an end and they were exchanging gifts and you, uh, Billy's phone goes off. FaceTime from Devin, Right? He didn't call me, he calls her. And I'm like, hey, what am I, chopped liver? I coached your little league team. I didn't want to do that, I did that. But, but there's a special connection between a boy and his mother. And even today, I call my mom almost every day. I don't call her every day, but I really try to. There's very few days that I don't. And, and even if we just talk for a few minutes, we have this special connection, It's special Bond. I mean, since I was little, I've been told I have a face only a mother could love. So, <laughs> it works out. And so, today, we're going to talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so, I want to talk about, like, like we're going to learn, like, like, who is Mary? And then, we're going to look at the book of Luke, chapter 1. Uh, and, and we're going to figure out, like, what, what perspective was Luke coming at? And then, we're going to figure out... What can we learn about stepping into this impossible call of Jesus? So Mary. What do we know about Mary? Uh, her father's name was Eli or Eloi. Uh, and, and so her full name would have been Mary Bot Eloy, Mary of Eli. Um, and she had a, a, a sister named Salome. And... Uh, she had a relative named Elizabeth, right? John the Baptist mom. And, and like here's what's hard about these Christmas messages. Like you all know these stories, right? And so I'm just telling you what you already know for most of you. Uh, and, and, and so, so Elizabeth, uh, it's an unspecified relationship that they you know, uh, she's a relative, um, and, and, and so they don't really really say, uh, but she is John the Baptist mom, and so Uh, If you know the story, you know that when Mary visits Elizabeth, right, it's the first worship service of Jesus that happens. And so John the Baptist flips in her womb. Um, Mary's young. Uh, Like all the pictures and everything, she's probably mid-20s. They're wrong. She's probably 13, 14. Uh, So she's very young. Uh, That's just the way in that culture, that's, you know, once they... They got a certain age, they would get married and stuff. And so she was already promised to be married uh, at, at age 13. Um, she was she was very poor, like she grew up in a poor family. Uh, she was also in the line of King David, and she knew it. I mean, she knew it, her friends knew it, her relatives knew it. Everybody knew um, that she was in the line of King David. And it wasn't just like a proximity thing, like you know, I'm from Johnson County, so I have to be kin to Chris Stapleton somehow, you know. <laughs> Wasn't that. But it was, they kept very good genealogy. And so they knew without the shadow of a doubt that she was in that line. I mean, they, they knew it with no question. She was seen as lowly and poor by the community standards. Uh, she probably felt like there's no need to even mention that she's in the line of King David. Uh, that she had this royal line of dissension, you know? That she, like, I'm poor, I'm, I'm a kind of an outcast. Why, why would I? Uh, and so that's kind of that. Uh, she's from a nowhere town. I mean, like, like, it wasn't even on the map, really, and we would never knew about it if it wasn't for this story. And, and, and was seen uh, as a low class by the world, but highly favored by God. Right? She was a devout believer in God. Um, On over in the book of Luke, we're going to look at chapter 1, but on over, uh, she sings this song or says this prayer. Uh, It's kind of a blend. They call it the Magnificat. Um, in, In her song, there's at least 15 references to Old Testament Scripture. So she knew her Scripture very well. And she was so in love. Like, man, she... You know, sometimes in that that day, you know, it won't happen now probably, but back then, right, you'd just be betrothed to somebody and you may or may not like them. It was just a commitment, but she loved Joseph. Um, She doesn't have a clue how her life is about to be changed forever. Like She couldn't even fathom the call that God has got on her uh, uh, at all. She could have never dreamed of it. Um, and, And we we'll go ahead. I think in this room right now, there's some people here that couldn't dream of the call that God has on your life. Um, we talked a little bit about this Wednesday night in youth group and we talked about praying for, for God to give it to you. You know, and, and and so it's it's from this book, from this Bible, and through prayer that we hear from God and we can discern. What uh, our purpose is, what 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 the call on our lives is, just like Mary. I mean, Mary knew the Scripture; she was in the Word. Is one of the ways she was able to hear from God. You know, she had proximity; she had put herself in this position to be able to hear this call and to be able to to live into this call. Her life changed Uh, from the moment this angel shows up. We're going to read about Gabriel. Um, from the moment he shows up, her life is different. Uh, and, 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 and it wasn't how she dreamed it. I mean, she was dreaming of this wedding coming up. And then all of a sudden she's pregnant and she has to, you know, it wasn't the wedding of her dream. And, and so that's just a little bit about Mary to get us to where we are. Like I said, we're going to be looking at the book of Luke. And so just a little bit about this, this book of Luke. Uh, it was wrote about 60 A.D., so about 27 years after Jesus had ascended into heaven, this scroll was put together. It wasn't a, a book like we have today. It was on one scroll. Um, and and, and uh, <laughs> when Luke was writing, there was no printing process, so, so they couldn't mass produce it. It was one scroll. In fact, it was one scroll written to one person. It was a pers- this was just a personal letter. That was sent to a man named Theopolis. Um, there was no mass email that went out. There was no strongly worded Facebook post or Twitter uh, tweet that went out about this. It was just a single scroll that went to Theopolis. Um, he didn't Google his information. There was no Wikipedia. Um, he he uh, Luke, the author, he was not one of the 12 disciples. That might be... Uh, need to say that. He had a personal relationship with Paul who was a disciple, but, but he was not one of the original 12. Some of the scholars say he might have been in the 70, but he wasn't in the 12. He was Greek, Gentile. He was the only uh, Gentile Christian author in the Bible. Um, he was a physician. Um, in Colossians 4, it tells us Luke, the beloved physician, And so, if you read through the book of Luke, you can tell that because, as some of you who live with physicians know, they are very descriptive with the physical. Like they could, they try to see what's wrong and try to fix it, try to give you an answer. And so, uh, um, and and so, so that's kind of how his writing was. He's very intellectual. Um, The Bible says, "Not many were wise, but he was." Same thing Jody said about me as I was getting ready to come up here. So, Dr. Luke was kind of like a scientist of today. He was always analyzing and and, and researching and digging in, and and those kind of things is what he did. He loved history, and you can tell that, by the way, history, secular history, weaves in and out of his writings. Um, More than any other of the Gospels, he puts emphasis on the universal. Uh, acceptance of the gospel. So, so like he writes more than any of the other gospels about uh, reaching out to women and children and the poor and foreigners, the broken, the tired. See, this was a personal letter. It wasn't a general statement. And I found that when you get more personal, um, it, it carries more weight. And so Luke is being very personal here with Theopolis, and really he's speaking through time to us today, and he's still saying the women, the children, the poor, the foreigners, the broken, the tired, whoever that is, he talks about Jesus stepping into those situations more than any, and he still is today, because he knows that the Son of Man come to seek and to save all that was lost, not just some, but all that is lost. So how do we know, you know, where did he get his information if he wasn't one of the 12? Um, uh, The source of his information, the Bible tells us, is that he had eyewitness of ministering accounts. And and so he's not talking about clergy. He's not talking about preachers or pastors or clergy. Um, What he's talking about is people who are living out their call every day. Whether that be in their jobs, at school. In life, whatever he's looking for, people who are living out the call of Jesus Christ in their life every day, and who personally saw Jesus do these things. Um, a lot of scholars say that a lot of his information did come from Mary, and, and, and so so I strongly believe in the priesthood of all believers. So what that is, is that if you call yourself a Christian, you are called into ministry of some kind. Not talking about on a stage in front of a crowd, but you're called into ministry of some kind. Maybe that's ministry as a teacher, ministry as a doctor, ministry as a car salesman, uh, ministry as a father or a mother, uh, but, but you are called to share Jesus Christ wherever you go. And, and, and this is serving and living out Jesus in your everyday life. That's what, um, that's what being a minister is about. In fact, I'm going to argue that being a pastor and being here is one of the least effective ways to reach the lost in our world. Because we are right here, and you guys are ignited into the community. You're infused into your workplaces. You're infused into your homes. And that's where we're called to take the gospel. Luke carefully investigated. every; He didn't just take one person's word for it. He made sure it was true. He's very comprehensive in his writings. He didn't want there to be any question at all about who Jesus said he was. He wanted Theopolis to have a very certain, very clear picture of who Jesus is. Heard a story of a friend who went to visit his old violin teacher. And he went in and he's like, what's new? And the teacher said, what's new? I'll tell you what's new. And he grabbed his tuning fork and he struck the desk and it was ringing. And he said, you hear that? That's an A. He said, now if you go upstairs, there's a soprano who's been practicing her heart out, who is constantly off tune. If you go next door, there's a cello player who's just learning how to play, and it's driving me up the wall. And if you go on the other side, there's a piano who they never quit playing it, but it's never been in tune, and I can't stand it. Anymore, I'm surrounded by terrible noises every day and every night. And he struck the fork again. He said, you hear that? That's an A. It was an A yesterday. It's an A today. It's going to be an A tomorrow. It will never change. And so that's what Luke's trying to do. Luke is striving for uh, uh, this, this kind of certainty for his readers that Jesus is the same yesterday the same today, and it's going to be the same forever. He will never change. And Luke wants us to know that without a doubt. So let's look at a little bit about what he says about Mary and and what we can learn. So believing the impossible. um, This is a process, uh, and, and it's hard. It's not easy uh, we often have doubts that, that something can be uh, uh, accomplished, right? And so people say, we're going to do this at church, whatever that is. Or, or, or maybe you should do this with your life, whatever that is. And, and so we start to do it, but we do it with alligator arms, right? They're about like, yeah, I'll help you. And then when it fails, we say, well, it wasn't me. Not Mary. She jumped in the deep end. Um, she went in full force. And so we're going to hear what that looks like in context of what she did, but also in context of what it means to our life. So we look at Luke 1, verse 28 through 30. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Let's stop right there for a second, because like, this is one of the most controversial statements about Mary. Um, We've got our Catholic brothers who, who, who are way over here with it, right? And, and so they think that, uh, I, I've read about it, I don't know exactly, but, but like they, they treat her as co-redemptress of the world, and they pray to her, and they think she's part of who bring, brings the blessings. Let me say that, nowhere in here does it ever say that. And, and so you can't find that anywhere biblically based. But then as Protestants, we come way back over here, and we almost negate who she is. Um, And and so I think there's this middle ground, because I'm going to tell you, God said she is highly favored. You are blessed among women. Man, that is something that we need to take note about. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. So just like Joseph, like Jared talked about last week, she's not afraid of the angel, but she's afraid of this call that's getting ready to happen on her life. She's afraid of the words um, that the angel is going to, going to say to her. Uh, because remember, Mary felt like she was lowly and she was mild because of her social and economic class. Uh, and... It's easy for a lot of people to feel highly favored, right? Because of what we've done. Like, we've gathered up all these things. I live in this house, in this neighborhood. I have this kind of bank account and drive this kind of car. Why wouldn't I be favored? But here, Mary, and and that's why she's so perplexed by it. Um, she, She didn't think, she didn't think, like, there's no way out of everybody they could pick me. That God could pick me. Her heart was filled with fear. She's troubled at the sight of this angel. Uh, um, but, but, but really, she found way more fear in what he was saying, what he was going to call her to do. As God's plan began to conflict with her plans, right? So she had this wedding plan, this future. We're going to have these kids. We're going to you know, live here next to his dad, and we're going to do this and do that. But God, she could feel God's plan start to conflict with her plans. Has that ever happened to you? Happened to me one time, right? So a little story about me. I worked at Coca-Cola for a long time. And I was doing good, you know. Um, (laughs) Living a good life. Working a good job. Had great insurance. Good 401k. You know, had American dream. Uh, In fact, like when you worked there, you would have to work on Sundays sometime. And and some of you guys remember this, but some of you guys are going to say, What? But over there where the parking garage was, there was a gravel lot. Yeah, that's how long ago this was. Uh, but there was a gravel lot. And I'd park my truck there when I had to work on Sundays. And I would go to church, walk over here in town to church. And, and, and take my lunch break and, and attend church. I mean, we, I was leading uh, um, some, some youth ministry stuff. Just, just getting into that a little bit. And, and all those things, you know. Um, and then one day... I was, I was driving down 23, getting ready to pull left into Betsy Lane Velocity there. I'll never forget it. Sitting there with the signal light on. Tony Evans, man, I love him. He changed my life one day. He said, who will I send? Who will go for me? Some of you guys are sitting right now, and that calls on your life, and you're afraid to answer it. Quit my job that day. And I have a plan. I didn't know what was next, but I knew I had to say yes to this call of God or I would regret that for the rest of my life. And and I've not looked back. If you find yourself standing at this crossroads, if you find yourself standing in God's favor, don't give in to fear and doubt because if God is for you, who can stand against you? So Mary was, was in this fear and confusion. Luke 31 through 34, she had doubt and wonder. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am but a virgin. Her mind was filled with, well, how could this happen? Like, you know, uh, like, how could this even happen? But, but in this wonder, she wasn't doubting that it would happen, but she was imagining all that it could be about to happen, all that was going to, what, what could this, where could this lead me in this world? Where could this be? Even though she lives in poverty and obscurity, and the world kind of looks down on her. It didn't kind of look down. It did look down on her, you know, as a second-class, second-rate citizen. She would have the honor of being the mother of the Messiah, Jesus. And he's going to be the Savior that the world needs. Now, it's not going to be the one they accept, but it's the one they need, right? Right? Because between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's about four hundred years of silence where they don't hear from God. There's about four hundred years um, where, where where it's just nothing from God. And so they think that when they they would think when God showed up that it would be like this roaring lion or this 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 powerful warrior who would dominate the kings and the principalities and and and, and all those kind of things. They thought he'd come in like this big, magnificent. Something they weren't expecting that the first time they would hear from God in 400 years would be from a baby in a manger. And this was hard for most of them to accept. And most of them still don't accept that today. But God's plans, they confront this reality that we know. Um, Mary knew, I've never been with a man. I know how babies are made. This can't work. Like, like this just isn't possible. Um, Here's where I settled on this. If we can accept the first verse of the Bible, right? God created the heavens and the earth. The rest of it's easy. Excuse me. If we can accept that God created the heavens and the earth then it should be simple for him to create a fish that could haul a man in its belly and spit him out on the, on the shore. If we can accept that God created the heavens and the earth uh, uh, and, and then he created a man and a woman without any birth at all, then a virgin birth should be simple. If we can accept that God created the heavens and the earth, then him walking on water is easy because he controls that molecular structure and he can just make it a solid. I believe I'll just walk. So if we can accept that first, birth, that first verse of the Bible, God created the heavens and the earth, then dealing with this virgin birth is going to be easy. In our life, um, we, we, like mine and Billy's life, we knew God wanted us to reach out um, to more and more people, to more and more students, to more and more um, uh, different, different students from different places uh, we knew that, 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 that we were to, called to even go into the world and, and share the gospel. But we didn't know how. It like like was bigger than us. Um, early on in our ministry, um, we were reaching mostly Bible students. Um, I would go as far to say that it wasn't even welcoming to anybody else. might be one or two that would come and go, but really... It was mostly Pikeville uh, School District students. Then God moved in us. Um, And within one group, we we, we started reaching out. We started being very intentional uh, on reaching out into uh, uh, the community, into other places. And and within one group, uh, we started getting students from all over. In fact, Sully's here today, and he was one of the very first students that we ever had Um, that came from a school, not Pikeville. Um, And and, and so that bond that happened um, because we reach out, because we brought in kids from other districts. And, And if you come on a Wednesday night, you can see that I think, what, seven different schools that are here On a Wednesday night. Uh, But some of the ones who were the strongest. Resistance became the best of friends. And they were best man in a wedding. Or bridesmaid in a wedding. Not too long ago. They were at a child's birth. With each other. Um, and, and, And so this was way bigger. Way more than we could have dreamed of. I mean we were doing good. They were rivals on the courts. And in the fields, right? And and I've seen them, they play against each other. I've seen Collier do it, I've seen them do it. They'll play hard as they can against each other as soon as they're done. Big hug. That's only Jesus can do that. I mean, we grow up hating each other, right? Me and Rodney, Feds Creek and Elkhorn. Only God can make us friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth, I mean. But he wanted us to reach out to the world, too, and, and we, we, we thought, mission, how, how do we do a mission trip? We've never done anything like that. We've never, like, how do you get them there? How, what do you feed them? Where are they going to sleep? I mean, all these things, but God put it, stamped it on our heart, and it was a leap of faith that we took and went, took a trip to Ohio. And we've been doing it ever since. And it's not just a trip that we take, but I'm going to argue that it's probably the single most impactful thing that we do. started as a dream, of a possibility of what can can happen, and by trusting him, it become real. And, and so last year, fifty five of us went to Western Kentucky and uh, and did tornado relief. All because of what God can do when we step into the impossible. I mean, it's impossible to, to, to turn that around in a year, but, but, but with God, we did it. And so I think that we need to strive to be Christians who focus on the wonder of Jesus and not the doubt that the world tries to implant in us. I think about our elder board meetings. I leave those things and, and maybe, you know, sometimes they're two hours long believe they're feeling like I've left church, right? Um, They dream about the wonder of what God can do through us, through you all here. I remember talking one time about, why don't we tear down two walls, make a big room upstairs? They're like, okay, let's do it. Within two weeks, we had hammers up there, and a lot of you guys were involved with that, and we made this big room, which we can't imagine not having now. We said... Man, what would it be like if we had a Christian counseling service here at this place where people could come to a non-threatening environment and be able to to just share? And they're like, okay, let's do it. And then here we are. We don't just have a counselor, but there's a team of counselors that come and are upstairs every other Tuesday. Think about Celebrate Recovery, and you've heard us talk a lot about that lately, Uh, uh, like, like a long time ago, I've prayed, like, God, how could this happen? And so, like, we're like, who's going to lead it? I don't know, but we're going to try. And now, Legina's got it keyed up. And first of January, it's going to launch. And we would love for you to be a part of that. It's only through stepping into the impossible um, that God carries us. How do we do that? With faith and surrender. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. That, that verse 37, maybe you've heard it a different way, right? For with God, anything is possible. Um, what Mary really did was surrender. She surrendered to the fact that God knows more than us, that, that, that he is all-knowing, that he knows the end he knows the beginning, he knows today, and he weaves all that together and tries to put us in position to where we can be the most effective to bring the most people to Jesus as we can. His plans, his purposes are better than ours, and she recognized that. She stepped into it and she never looked back. There was not a what if, what if I'd, what if, and she wasn't at the cross going, what if I'd have just said no, I wouldn't have to be here. There wasn't that. Uh, She lived into the call that God had placed on her life completely and fully. She dove in the deep end, as we say at my house. The surrender was not so much uh, in her heart or in her mind, right? Because if it's in your heart, you expect it to feel good. If it's in your mind, you expect it to make sense. It did not feel good, nor did it make sense Uh, But she did it. This was a spiritual surrender. And that changes things. She answered a call of the Holy Spirit, of her creator, and asked her to say yes to this mission. And, And when you say yes to a mission that God gives you, that does not make it easy. There was nobody who lived into God's call more than Jesus, and they put him to death. So why would we think that our life should be easy? So we have to remember that God loves you even when things go wrong because they're going to go wrong. So if you, you're, you're filled with worry and that weighs you down and that dims your hope, you have to think about Mary. And she just kept going every day. She just kept stepping into that call every day. She found favor with God but was obedient. She was ridiculed by her peers. You know, they said things. they they little sneers. These little comments, these side remarks, they said things about her. Her fiance almost left her, right? If it wasn't for this angel, he would have left her, which would have been the right thing to do because it's like like if you find the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, which is what the charge would have been against Mary. They were going to stone her to death. And so Mary had that kind of option over her back. So she did worry about Joseph and what he may do. Her son was rejected. And murdered. He was put, he's killed on the cross, right? And so the scripture tells us that a sword will pierce your soul. And as she was at that cross, she's the only human who was alive, uh, who was present for his birth and his crucifixion. And so she, that's the bookends of, of Jesus. She was there for both of them. But we have to remember that there's going to be a better day. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow. It may not even be the next day. We may never see that better day on this earth, but Jesus came so he could set things right so that our, our eternity could be perfect. In the original, in Adam and Eve, uh, God literally dwelt with them. And, and so when we feel this missing piece in our life, it's because that's the relationship that we were designed to have. We we're designed to be with God. And so in Revelation, it says this. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He's going to set that relationship right. Then it goes on to say he will wipe away everything. Every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more, and neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain at all, for the former things will pass away. We have to remember that for all that we've done wrong, there's mercy and grace that's going to cover it, and it's available as a free gift to us. He says, I make all things new, not just some things new, I make all things new. I love new things. Get a new pair of shoes. I love the smell of shoes, right? Get a new car. They even sell new car scent, right? You could get that new car scent and put it in your car. Why? Because people love to smell new things. I love going to somebody when they get a new house, and you step in that with them. It feels good to be in the new. Well, Jesus says, I come to make all things new, right? Uh, and, and I don't know about you, but I could use some new. I can use some new in my life today. All things work together for the good, for those who love and who serve him. Those that seek him and his kingdom first will have everything else added to them. And and, and so God is calling us to step into this brand new call uh, in our life. He is um, looking for us to step in to what he has designed, his purpose for our life and not ours. I said all that to say this. Like I wanted us to get our minds around that so that we could get here. God is looking for yes people. People to say yes for for his call on their life. He's looking for yes families. Families who are going to live together and live out this call as a family unit in the community in which they live in. He's looking for yes churches. Churches who are going to step into the troubled parts of the community and try to make a difference. Try to make something change for those people. He's looking for yes communities who are going to change the world. That's what he's looking for because nothing is impossible to God. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here today and that he's actively making calls similar to what the call was on Mary's life. He's calling you. He's not seeking the most astute. He's looking for somebody to say yes. He's not looking for the wealthiest uh, or, or even the poorest. Somehow we figured out that poor makes you a little better, you know, spiritually. But he's not looking for the wealthiest or the poorest. He's looking for somebody to say yes. He's not looking for the most spiritually mature. He's looking for people to say yes to the call on their life, right? I think about the sermon I preached just a few years ago, crossing the river, right? You've got a river you need to cross. There's only one man that can get you there you got a mountain you need to get over. you got a hurdle you need to jump. There's only one person that can help you. And he wants that for your life. He specializes in things that we think are impossible. My wife is a yes person. I see it every day. I mean, like, for me, this is normal stuff. But when I step back and I look, I'm amazed. The way she says yes when she steps into students' lives who are in need or in trouble... Uh, If find herself in a bad spot or or they just need love she says yes Uh, the way way she organizes things that, that, that could be fun or give them an opportunity that they may never have in their whole life just because she wants them to experience that she says yes the way she goes above and beyond in her work it's not just a job it's a ministry to her and she says yes the way she loves relentlessly to anybody that's around her no matter what the situation is, she says yes. She never fails to impress or inspire me. We need yes people, not just in our church, but in our homes, in our communities, in our school systems, in our workforces, in our government. No matter where we are, we need people to say yes to the call of God, just like Mary did, so that we can change things. We can change things for the good. I want us to do something. And this isn't going to play well on the live stream, or maybe it will. I want you to look around right now. And I want you to see somebody who, who maybe God has a call on their life. Go ahead. It's okay. Everybody's going to do it. If everybody does it, it's not awkward. <laughs> All right, you got that person? Don't you to think about the call that God may have on their life right now. And I want you to, to just, everybody, close your eyes with me right now. And I want you to pray for that person. I want you to imagine them right in your mind. And I want you to hold them up in your hand to God right now. God, I don't know what it is that you've called them to do, but give them the courage and strength to do it. Amen. I want you to pray for that person. I want you to imagine that person all week long. And let's see what happens. Let's see what God can do. Let's see what he's going to do. Now the hard part. How about you? It's easy to pray for what God's going to do for that person. But when it's turned around and it's on us, what about you? What are some of the impossible things that God is calling you to do? Is he calling you to to lead a Bible study? Is he calling you to lead a class? Is he calling you to to, to volunteer and celebrate recovery? Um, Is is he calling you to be the spiritual leader of your home, to finally take that step and to pray with your kids and with your wife? Uh, Is he calling you um, to share the gospel with your family or with your friends or at work or or, or whatever? Is he calling, there's people in this church that he's calling to plan a church, to go to the mission field, He's calling you to do something. Are you ready to say yes? What is it that God has planned for your life that you need to step into? We're getting ready to see three people answer the most important call on their life. Like, this is the first step of everything else that's to follow. They're going to publicly confess that Jesus is their Savior. And that is amazing. That, that's a miracle that just keeps happening. And they do that. They invited their friends and they invited their family. You know why? Because they wanted to inspire and encourage them too, that, that this is possible, that this is not just for me, but this is for you. And I want you to know that if you sit here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that today is the day of salvation, that Jesus came for me, he came for us, but that he come for you. And all you've got to do is say yes. He's looking for yes people. Are you willing to take that step this morning? Just like Mary, you've got to believe that the impossible is possible. Pray with me if you will. Father, we do give you thanks this morning for all that you're doing through us. But Father, we also ask you to to step us into this brand new, to step us into this call that you have on our life. Maybe it is a call to lead a group or, or, or to be uh, uh, something different at work or, or maybe to, to, to do our family even brand new and different. Or, or Father, it may be that we answered a call from you for the very first time and we call ourselves a Christian. Father, I pray that you give us the courage and the strength Um, to do that, not just this day, but every day. And I pray this in your name. Amen.